You're listening to Toe the Line, a podcast by me, Taylor Cleland. Here at Toe the Line, we're talking all things rugby union with a few other sports thrown into the mix, like league, motorsport, tennis, you get the picture. All while pushing the boundaries and making the world of sport more inclusive. I'm ready to use my voice to make impactful change in this world and I hope you'll join me. So let's Toe the Line together. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Toe the Line. Today I have a very exciting guest because it's my first interview, kind of interviewing anyone in the NRL space and you guys have been really wanting me to dive into the NRL space so I'm very excited but I guess we'll just get straight into the intro. So today's guest is probably most well known for his time playing as an outside back for the Broncos in the NRL. However, with an extensive career playing rugby league spanning over 14 years, he's a very well-known face in the space. He started his career with the Titans, where he debuted in 2009 and played till the end of 2016, before making the move to the Broncos for the 2017 season and then retired from professional footy in July of 2022. Across those 14 years, he played a massive 171 games, scored 75 tries, and to make him even more impressive, he captained his home country of Papua New Guinea at, at the 2017 Rugby League World Cup. Today's guest is the very talented David Mead. David, welcome to Toe the Line. Thanks, Taylor. I'm excited to be here and uh, look to see where we go with our chat. Yeah, and when you hear those like initial stats about yourself, does it still kind of feel real that that's kind of you that people are talking about? Yeah, I think oh, it's, it's kind of something you you don't really think about or you know, yeah. or talk about. I think mm-hmm. until someone brings it up. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's good, I guess. You know, when you're playing rugby league and you're you know, you're in amongst it, you don't really think about how many games you're playing or you know tries you scored or line breaks this that you kind of just it's just a way of life and then yeah. when you retire you, you get a little opportunity to reflect on it and go oh that's pretty cool that I was able to do that and yeah. uh, and it was the you uh, you dream as a kid to play the sport and to be able to have done that and and you know with with a few few games um under the name just a few <laughs> yeah, just a few. Um, yeah it's nice it's nice to look back on that and uh, but, but, you know, in saying that, I had so many people helping me uh, along the way. And if it wasn't for those people, uh, I certainly wouldn't have notched up that many games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, I know from my athletic background, you know, people just talk to you about your own stats, but then they forget that there's like a whole team behind you. And, you know, yes, you may have, you may have scored one try or done one time in the pool, but, you know, there are there are the coaches, there are your other t- players in the team, you've got your physios and your mental health experts and all those sort of people. So it's never, like, just about you at the end of the day, is it? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, with the trainers, the physios, the coaches, like you said, they're there doing hours and hours of hours of work yeah. to prepare you for the 90 minutes of opportunity that you get to train on the field each day. Yeah. And yeah, the weights, sure. obviously, so... Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see the stats behind the work that they put in. It would definitely oh, trump. 100%. Yeah, it would trump the games that we played, or you know, the, the stats that we rack up anyway. Yeah, um, definitely. So many people involved in the in the background doing all the work, so it, it, we we can't forget about them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess like the first question of the podcast, the probably the most important one: How are you? How are you doing? How has life been the past few months for you? Yeah, it's been good. So since retiring, I guess July last year, I had mm-hmm. about you know four to six months of, uh, I guess I would say quiet time, but not doing too much. I was traveling back yeah. and forth, PNG, delivering a few programs, uh, community mm-hmm. programs, and a bit of work. And then I started with the Brisbane Broncos in the uh, business development space in January this year, and mm-hmm. the skills that I've been able to learn from my team here at the club has been phenomenal it's been I've been very grateful to be a part of that team um, in the space and that's been great for me over the course of the year and especially in the past few months we um, obviously the team went to the grand final and yeah uh, lost that one but the last few months they've been great uh, despite the results the grand final result for the club Um, you know outside of the work with the Broncos um, I am still traveling back and forth to my home country, uh, Papua New Guinea, 
Yeah. Uh, a lot of time there with the community as well. So I guess in a way it's been quite fulfilling these yeah. past months being able to be part of a you know another team that's delivering programs and and projects in that space as well. So yeah, no, life's pretty good. Yeah, wow. I think I think one thing that I guess people at home forget, or even like even if you're in like the environment of being an athlete, I think especially in times like finals footy or you know grand finals, I think people get so hung up on the end result. But when you look back at the Broncos 2023 season, like yes. They didn't, unfortunately, win the grand final, but on in like the grand scheme of things, like they did so well as a team, you know, so like just so much success regardless of the end result. So I think, yeah, it's it's unfortunately the result, the grand final result wasn't there, but it, like I don't think the Broncos can be like upset with how well they did because they did such a like they had such a good season. Yeah, I guess you know everyone wants to win the grand final. Yeah, but I guess you know. You got to still look at the positives out of the year that was that went uh, by because you know, there's a lot of uh, ups and downs in sport. But I think as yeah. a club, for the club as a whole, on the field and off the field, there's a lot of uh, positives in terms of community engagement, fan engagement. I guess more wins throughout the year as well, and mm-hmm. having a lot of people go to the stadium, enjoy the atmosphere, and and I think just Brisbane as a whole got to enjoy the. Yeah. The Broncos season this year and yeah for sure yeah it's been it's been great uh being part of this club and you know I'm sure many people who are part of the organization will tell you that it's it's, it's a fun place to be yeah for sure um so before we get into your league career I kind of first want to talk about your early years family life um parents siblings school life all that sort of stuff before you got into rugby league so talk me through like those early years of your childhood and younger teen years so i was born in port moresby Papua new guinea and spent 12 years of my life in a coastal village about 30 minutes out from there along the east coast life was very simple uh, i went grade one to five there and you know school was in pretty good condition at that time it's um you know a lot of kids going to school without without shoes on sometimes, and um, you know, very very simple uh, upbringing. Um, yeah. Played a lot of rugby league in and out of school. Just whether we had a rugby league ball or not, we'd use a you know sometimes we'd use like an empty cordial cordial or coke bottle to kick around. Oh, I love that. <laughs> we loved rugby league. Played a little bit of cricket in in and out of school as well. You know, mm-hmm. did all the things kids in the in the village do. Um, I don't know if yeah. you've seen him. On social media and stuff, but yes, yeah, kids in PNG and, and some of the islands there, and yeah, a very simple upbringing. You know, I grew up in a household uh, that had uncles, aunties, uh, single mum, cousins, yeah. um, grandparents. So, um, you know, very community style upbringing and living. Mm-hmm. And and during those early years in the village, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents because my mum worked in town and. Whenever I didn't go to school, I'd be getting jumping on the back of a ute with my grandparents to drive a few <laughs> kilometres out of the village to go and help yeah. them with uh, the farm that they had. You know, they were subsistence farmers, planted yams, taros, bananas, tapiocas, all that kind of those things. So I spent a lot of time with them uh, outside of school, and you know, went out because we were on the coastal um, one of the coastal villages there. We'd jump on in a dinghy, and my grandfather would take us out my grandmother and a couple of other cousins or other extended family members go yeah. cast in the net, leave it out for the day. And then while that was happening, we'd go and pick up these seashells, fill up these rice bags with it and come back. You know, reel, no the, <laughs> reel the net back in and collect the fish and go home for the day. But, you know, I saw my grandparents, the way they provided for their family, their, their mm-hmm. kids and their kids. So I think I was pretty lucky to have that experience. And then at the age of 12, um, a lot of things changed when my auntie decided to adopt me into her family uh, to yeah. take me into Australia for uh, educational purposes. Yeah. How um how hard was that? How hard was it leaving Papua New Guinea because you that's all you'd ever known, and then coming over to Australia at the age of twelve? Because around twelve is like quite a pivotal age in like someone's life as well. How was that kind of contrast for you? Yeah, I remember it being pretty hard because. You know, I've gone from living with my mum in in a house that's full of people to 
my auntie's house who loved me dearly and gave me an opportunity just yeah. to have that little homesick feeling for, for for the initial first few years but then also we learned how to speak english in school but wasn't i wasn't speaking it at home so i wouldn't say i was fluent right when i came to australia that was a big challenge for me i wasn't confident in speaking english or my comprehension understanding wasn't as as good as it is now yeah and so i'd say i was i was pretty shy and quiet for a couple of years before i was able to kind of feel comfortable in the transition but yeah definitely a very tough few years going from that environment to i guess lismore new south wales yeah um, yeah in, in primary school you're you know a lot of the kids are um you know doing music dance and you know uh, very different to um the png primary school in terms of resources so, yeah I felt very lucky and very fortunate to have that opportunity. Yeah, wow. It's something just you never think of as someone who hasn't, because, you know, all, all I've ever known is living in New Zealand. I've never had to travel overseas. Like, I never had to, like, move countries as a um, young child or early teenager. It's just something you never think of unless you are in that situation. How hard was it leaving your grandparents as well? Because, like, from what you've said, it sounds like they were quite influential people in your life. How hard was that sort of disconnect? Yeah, I guess it was, uh, you know, at that time, it was actually a pretty tough period as well because my grandmother had died a month prior to me leaving for Australia. And I think that, that was probably the reason why my auntie sped up the process as well because she knew they were looking after me while my mum was working. Yeah. And so she passed away, definitely a tough period for not just myself, but the whole family. Yeah. And then you know, leaving my grandfather, uh, who's pretty much my dad growing up, mm -hmm. he was, um, you know, I missed him very dearly. I, I remember standing at the airport and he just cried and hugged me from oh. head to toe before I left. So very, uh, very tough leaving them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I was lucky enough to travel back nearly every year to go back and visit, you know, especially during that Christmas period. Yeah. Uh, my auntie, who I call my mum now is, uh, my auntie at the time who I call mum now, and she always made sure that I was okay and, um, and my well-being was at the forefront of her mind. Um, she brought me over for to get a better opportunity at life to have an education. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, she constantly reminded me of that, and, and I'm very grateful for her uh, because if it wasn't for her, uh, my life turns out very differently. But yeah, definitely it was a very tough period, but I think necessary for me to, I guess, pursue a uh, a better life. Yeah, for sure. And did so you said you mentioned when you're talking about your early years that you played a lot of league with, you know, kids in your community and at school and everything. When you moved to Australia, was it was it somewhere in the back of your mind that you really wanted to pursue rugby league or was that not really on the cards at that age? I've always wanted to play rugby league as a kid. <laughs> professionally. Uh, I love uh, that. Yeah, we'd be uh, we'd have a like, TV set up and the whole family would be sitting around watching rugby league on a Friday night or a Sunday afternoon. And yeah. you know, Brisbane Broncos and St. George Dragons were, was, uh, were the teams of choice. Mm -hmm. um, I was primarily St. George Dragons because my uncle uh, gave, gave me a dragon shirt and said, you're a sporting dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so you had no choice in that. <laughs> but the Broncos are still always kind of my second team. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... It's something, you know, I used to go to sleep as a kid and I just remember just laying there and visualising. I didn't know it was called visualising at the time, but I just dreamed. Yeah. I'd lay, lay there awake, close my eyes and just picture myself running in a stadium and people cheering. Now, that's that's as young, crazy. As young as seven, eight years old. And uh, But, yeah, so when, when I get asked if I always wanted to play NRL, yeah, the answer is definitely yes. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I guess when I moved to Australia, it's, um, I did play rugby union for five years before playing league mm -hmm. uh, because uh, my mates and, and my two older brothers were playing union. Yeah, uh, they eventually made the switch to league, and yeah, was able to was lucky enough to pursue a career. But definitely, um, rugby league was a forefront of my mind growing up. Yeah, wow. It's funny how you mentioned like visualization and that like you didn't know that's what it was at the time, but you know, you would just like see yourself on that field with all the crowd 
like roaring and whatever because I used to do the same thing when I was younger like with swimming I would always like picture myself like when I was going to sleep I'd always like picture myself like touching the wall first or like getting a medal around my neck or wearing like the silver fern on my chest or whatever and I didn't know that it was like visualization at the time either so it's just like funny how when you know you just really want something from such a young age and then look at you now like look at the career you have it's just like crazy <laughs> yeah it's probably just something you do naturally as a kid anyway you know just uh imagine your imaginations are very powerful as a kid growing up Mm. And I guess uh, what probably happens as you hit your teens and, and your early adult or you know adult life is that it gets talked uh, out of you. Your belief slowly goes away because yeah. simply because of the environment that you're in. And yeah, hundred percent. I believe that plays a huge part in someone being able to live their dream out or be able to you know follow their passions because um, you might believe that you can play. Uh, NRL, but if you've got 10 people, close 10 closest people to you who don't believe you can, it's going to be pretty hard for you to listen yeah. to your voice. 100%, 100%. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit about playing league at school, but what were those early years of playing league, I guess, over in Australia? Like you said, you played union for a bit, but when did you kind of realize that you could really take or like you could really pursue league as a professional career? Well, it was pretty, uh, it happened pretty quickly, actually, because the year that I played under 18s rugby league, which was my first year, mm-hmm. I was also playing rugby union at the same time, so union on a um, yeah. <laughs> Sunday. But I guess before the season kicked off, there were like these trial matches that happened on the north, on the in uh, Northern Rivers. Right. So it was a trial match to make the rep teams and coach John Cartwright was there watching the, um, he was the head, Titan, Gold Coast Titans coach at the time and he was there that weekend. They were doing a lot of their recruitment around that Northern Rivers area. Mm-hmm. And I played a trial game. It might have been my first or second game of league that I'd played since since Union. And I remember one of the guys coming up to Tony Durham and he said, mate, after, after the game, he said, uh, mate, the coach, John Cartwright, was very happy with the game and he wants you to play for the Titans one day. And I said, no way. <laughs> and he said, come over, let's go meet him. So he walked over on the sideline and he said, uh, uh, hey, David, how you going, mate? Introduced himself and then he said, I remember his word. He said, uh, would you like to play for the Titans one day? And I said, yeah, I, I would. No way. That is crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it kind of just went from there. It was, you know, I remember I got offered a contract couple of weeks later, I think it was, uh, one of the recruitment officers made their way back down to Lismore from the Gold Coast and said, uh, he's a development coach, uh, development contract. Uh, we'd like to, to be part of our uh, system and you know, we'll, we'll guide you along the way. Uh, but I guess my belief about playing NRL probably kick-started there. Uh, yeah. And I, this could actually, this, the dream I had as a kid could uh, potentially become a reality. Yeah, and how old were you when you got that first, like, development contract? So I was 17 at the time. Wow. That's young. Yeah, it's young. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, this day and age, I guess uh, it's getting younger and younger. There's uh, yeah. a lot of uh, 13, 14-year-olds getting these development contracts and being put into academies. I guess just an opportunity to uh, develop a bit earlier. and Yeah. And uh, invest in, in invest in these uh, young kids, or, or the young kids being given an opportunity to invest in themselves a bit more, to give themselves a chance to play in the NRL. So, yeah, seventeen was young back then, uh, but I think it's getting younger and younger these days. Yeah, and when when you were hand, when you signed that first development contract, what were you thinking? Like, who did you call first? How did you tell? Were you sort of just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I was like, I just remember being over the moon and. Yeah. Driving back from Mullumbimby to Lismore at the time. Uh, yeah. I lived in Lismore and the trials were at Mullum. So I remember getting home and then telling my uh, my mum, I said, uh, the Gold Coast Titans coach came up to me after the game and offered me a um, contract. Yeah. And she was like, what? What do you mean? She didn't believe <laughs> She was like, yeah. So she was very happy and in a bit of uh, disbelief at that stage. Uh, but I said, I think we get like 
free tickets to Carrara Stadium, which is pretty cool. I think that's what the coach said. So there it was so money. <laughs> I remember when I actually did sign the contract. It was a, I think it was a polo shirt and some uh, free Reebok boots at the time. And oh tickets. my god! I remember that. That is so cold. That is just so funny. <laughs> free tickets. Like I would have been stoked about that at that age as well. I'd be like, yeah, give me all the free tickets. <laughs> well, I don't think everyone wanted to go watch the Titans play up close. So I had the opportunity to have some access. So I was very yeah. happy about it. Hundred percent. Um, you know, sticking with the sort of early years, you know, development contract and all that sort of stuff. Were there any like influential people in those early years that you would say really helped you, developed you into the player that you became when you were playing for the Titans and the Broncos and captaining um, Papua New Guinea and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I guess you know, besides the family support, you know, which is very significant, you know, they they making sure that you're you're happy at home, you're healthy, uh, <laughs> sleeping, you attending school. Um, in the rugby league specific space, I would have to say they were my coaches. Yeah. Um, I remember coach um, uh, Craig Hodges at the time, who he drove me when I signed with the Titans the following year after playing for Morris Brothers Lismore. I played for Tweed Heads, which was uh, about an hour, an hour and a half drive each way. So that training was three nights a week and then playing on game day. So four sessions a week from Lismore to Tweed Heads. Driving an hour and a half that's, each way. That's uh, crazy. Lucky me, I didn't have to drive. I just sat in the passenger seat. I was the driver, and I guess you know that those three hours that I spent in the car with him every second day was it. It developed me in the player and person yeah, that I am wow. today. Because I remember the theme of his talks were always about developing good habits. Yeah, especially under fatigue when you're on the football field, and you know developing good habits off the field as well that that helps you to, uh, you know, reach your highest potential. And I guess having spending that time with him that year with him on the road um, was just invaluable to me, and it'll forever stay with me because uh, you know it's like one of those things you know those stepping stones to where you want to get to. If that step's not there, I won't be able to take the next one. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he definitely played a huge part. Yeah, wow. It's almost like, I mean, obviously driving an hour and a half there and back isn't fun, but it's almost like it was kind of meant to be that way because of the knowledge and, like, just how much you gained from those three hours, three, four times a week. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, straight after school, I'd finished school at quarter past three. Mm-hmm. Rush, I remember just getting a piece of apple or something and then getting changed quickly and then he'd be at the front of my house at 3.30. So yeah. if you get three heads by five o'clock for mm-hmm. training to start at five fifteen, five thirty, and then you know, then done by seven o'clock, getting home at eight thirty, um, shower, dinner, jumping in bed and then doing your homework, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and then doing that every second day. Uh, but yeah. you know it was when I look back and think about it now, I was like, Man, how did you do that? But you know, I, I think this is probably something that a lot of young guys do that who go on to play NRL. There's a lot of sacrifice that's involved with yeah. uh, you know, trying to make it to the professional level. You have to put in a lot of time and effort, whether it's in uh, in the travel that you have to do, or uh, you know, there's the knowledge that you have to try and gain. You always yeah. have to um, just realize that it, it's not easy and it's hard, but it, it's well worth it in the end. Yeah, for sure. I think sticking on that kind of wavelength that you're just talking about, about sacrifices, I think outsiders who only get to see people's success, I think maybe don't see all those three-hour round-trip there-and-back drives or the sacrifices that you've got to make or coming over to Australia at the age of 12 and leaving kind of everything you've ever known. Can you talk us through some of, I guess, the harder sides of being a professional athlete and even in those early days of your career, what were some of like the harder things that you really had to deal with and that maybe people who watch on the TV screens don't get to see? Yeah, I guess, you know, just, just talking about that three-hour travel every every second day to, yeah. to actually go up there and then physically train as well, which is, you know, which is also very hard. Uh, yeah. It takes its soul. Uh, but, you know, that's part of the development process. Mm-hmm. I guess in terms of 
physic physicality that's probably the easier part of playing rugby league it's the emotional part and how you deal with um you know setbacks that uh, ultimately help you um well that ultimately define whether you're going to make it or not is you know when you're when you're late or when the coach doesn't pick you to be in the team yeah. straight away um you know sometimes you're you're training and you're not part of the first 13 you're on the outer edge outer edges it can be disheartening but you just have to you know have the right mentality right attitude and, and tell yourself that if i work hard i'll earn that spot and yeah, so it's sure. you know, those moments and, and the injuries uh, and the and the fatigue the the worries the stresses they're the hardest parts of playing rugby league in terms of physicality if you educate yourself on the good foods to eat you, the sleep hydration stretching ice bath recovery all those things if you get those part, parts right in terms of physically you'll be able to develop yourself um, mm -hmm. and it's not an easy process but it's the easier process out of the whole uh, i guess holistic approach to playing rugby league it's, yeah, the, sure. it's the emotional and mental side that uh, i guess is the part that you need to focus a lot more on because if you can get those parts right the physical stuff can um, can progress quite easily yeah for sure and were you exposed to was were you like exposed to kind of that emotional or mental well-being side of being an athlete when you were in those early days of being an athlete or was it mainly focused on like the physicality and you just developed knowledge about the mental side of things as as time went on you know i guess without realizing it at the time i had the best physical uh mental and emotional mentor on the road with me yeah to and from lismore you know mm. um, although the drive was hard i was tired i'd fall asleep a lot of the times the yeah. the information the feedback i got from this coach in that car that is what helped me to physically be able to push through training yeah and, and you know wake up the next day and be be ready to go again i um so i guess yeah to answer your question yeah i definitely had exposure to that uh to, the, to that kind of uh, guidance, I guess. Yeah. Now that you say that, I've never really thought about it consciously until this moment. But yeah, it's when when you look back on it, when I when I reflect on my career, it's all those moments that definitely help you. You know, the the coaches. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Trevor Gilmeister. You'd be training, you you get so tired, but he just keep pushing you that extra <laughs> little bit to. Yeah. He, he believed in you. That's why. I guess you know. Yeah. You've got, they don't believe in you or they don't care about you they're probably not going to push you yeah. so yeah yeah for uh, sure yeah i definitely had that uh exposure at an early age yeah and in those moments you're just like i really hate you right now but i know that i'll probably thank you in a couple of years yeah. time well, well they're the worst people in the world at that point <laughs> yeah, so true you're just like i actually yeah i just don't want to be here right now yeah <laughs> No, no, when you catch your breath, they're okay. Uh, then the next day, when you actually surpass the your, the goals that you set, then you, you start to thank them, you know, because they're there to push you and to get the best out of you. So, uh, yeah, but you, yeah. you don't want you don't want to like this on too much. How much you want to thank them in case they make you go even harder? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they'll definitely uh, they'll definitely keep pushing if it looks easy. That's yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, let's get into your professional career. Day one with the Titans in 2009. You're walking into HQ for the first time. What was going through your head? What were those initial feelings? What was kind of like the feeling kind of with you personally, but also in the team? Yeah, I guess we had captains run. Um, I don't know if it was, I think it was a Saturday. Um, so mm -hmm. We had captains run on the, uh, on the Friday, I guess, if, it, if we did play on the Saturday. And then... Um, yeah, the coach, uh, Cardi, came up and said, uh, hey, just be ready. Uh, prepare like you're playing because you could take the field. We'll just wait on uh, Chris Walker to find out. Yeah. And so game day comes. I'm still not sure whether I'm playing or not, but I'm preparing like I am. And then 90 minutes before kickoff, I walk into the dressing sheds and and uh, Cardi comes up and says, mate, congratulations, you'll be debuting oh. tonight. <laughs> that would do, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I was just like, oh, whoa. And he, uh, I just remember seeing this smile on his face. He was, he was kind of like a proud smile. Like <laughs> that moment that he 
um, told me, do you want to play for the Titans at Mullumbimby? Mm. You know, a couple of years later, that became a reality. Shook my hands in the dressing sheds and you know, it became a reality. So um, I remember the look on his face and how proud he was of me. Uh, I don't know. Immediately, I thought about my family and just know yeah. I went to the locker room, texted them and said, I'll be playing tonight. Um, but yeah, I guess that whole that whole ninety minutes went by pretty quickly. I remember. Oh, uh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting my ankle strapped, and uh, Maddie Rogers comes up to me and said, uh, "Oh, mate, you know you've played for PNG uh, against New Zealand and Australia and England, so playing first grade um, shouldn't be as hard as that." Shouldn't. <laughs> I think it's his way of instilling some confidence in me because uh, maybe I looked a bit nervous or. Uh, or whatever, but yeah, I, I remember him saying that uh, as we were getting strapped. But yeah, such a such an exciting moment, uh, a proud moment, and um, I didn't think about it too much because I knew there was a game to be played. But then yeah. after that, it was kind of like, wow, I can't believe it's happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I think yeah, touching on that first game, you know, that debut game. I, with every kind of rugby player that I've talked to so far, and I always ask them about that initial debut game, whether it's like for club or for, you know, super rugby level or whether it's like for the All Blacks or whatever, they always say how quickly the first, that first game of like 80 minutes goes. And it's just like, you don't think about it. You're just out there playing. And then after you're done, it's just like, oh my God. Okay. Now I can like reflect on it. What was, what was happening in those sheds after that first game for you? Yeah, I guess when you're sitting there, uh, you, your teammates are sitting around you, you're high-fiving, you, you know, they're, they're pretty happy for you that you've debuted. Yeah. So you're just enjoying that moment, soaking it up with uh, with your teammates. Uh, I guess there's a sense of, uh, I wouldn't say relief, or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I guess relief because you're waiting for that moment for so long, you're hoping that it comes true and then it happens. Yeah. Uh, but then shortly after that, you've got to go jump in the ice bath. So, you know, you're not- <laughs> You know, you don't get an opportunity to think too much about it. Uh, no. But I guess, you know, after the ice bars, um, you know, the text messages come come flowing in. Uh, you're responding to people. You're going to see your family out. You know, I remember seeing my family outside in the car park and they yeah. were just so happy and proud. Just, you know, nice moments like that. But, yeah, it, it certainly does go very quickly, uh, especially after that first game. Yeah. When you were... You know, you mentioned, you know, you would dream about that kind of moment when from, like, such a young age and everything. Do you think that first game with the Titans lived up to little David's dream of playing in the NRL? Oh, it was so much more. It was, I guess, the the reception uh, that you get from the fans, uh, how yeah. happy they are for you. You don't really think about that too much. Um, yeah. That's an added bonus that you, that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I, I just wanted to play rugby league and score tries. I didn't get a try in that first game. Uh, the following <laughs> week, I, I scored my first try, so... Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have to wait too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's probably what made it feel like, wow, this is cool. I'm, you know, I'm actually... I've lived my dream. And yeah. I just remember thinking, I want many, many more of these moments. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to, for sure. I don't want it to just be, a, you know, one or two games here and there. Um, mm. As soon as you get a taste taste for it, you're just like, yeah, I want more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, wow. So as the years progressed, what would you say some of your favourite memories were with, you know, being in the Titans environment? Um, yeah, I guess that debut um, would have to be right up there. Yeah. Um, you know, playing semifinals in the early days, uh, probably a highlight of the career in, in between. That and my last game at the Titans, we didn't play much semi-finals. It was, yeah. uh, and so it was those those moments, you know, playing semi-final football because that's where a lot of the hype is, and that's a good part of the year. Uh, but I guess outside of that, it was just the the day to day, you know, turning up to training and being around a bunch of guys who are hungry to improve themselves, to train hard, and to get the best out of themselves. Yeah, now, those are sure. the moments that you remember. Especially, um, no, I say it now that, you know, I hated these army camps that we used to do. <laughs> but the, you'd come out of those camps and just be a lot tighter as a group. It's yeah, for sure. Three days of getting flogged and uh, being being yelled at, tired, 
get you from the grass, saw all yeah. those things. You come back out of that as a you know really really good mates and some good stories come out of those. So those are probably the highlights of my careers, you know, career in in rugby league at, at all different clubs. Yeah, it's very it's kind of weird how pain and trauma can bring a group of people together. <laughs> yeah, uh, all these uh these guys in the in the army they you know the the trainers they certainly know how yeah. to. They know how to break people and uh, bring them together. So uh, <laughs> I guess there's a lot of gratitude for them as well. Look, I can't say I will be doing that anytime soon, but I'm glad you guys experienced it. <laughs> yeah. I'd, uh, I, I would recommend it to, you know, a lot of sporting teams um, because it, it's it's one of those things. Where I remember Wayne Bennett telling me after one here at the Broncos my first year, he said, uh, media... It was after the three days, and you know we've just got back yeah. to and still pretty much in our uh, army gear, and we sat down, and it was all done. It was a relief, and then he comes up, sits next to me, and goes, "Media, you know, I love that. I love that kind of stuff, eh?" Like, oh, that's good because he did the whole thing with us. He didn't, you know, he wasn't just. Yeah. And I said, "Oh, why is that, Wayne?" And he said, "Uh, because you know what? It makes you feel like a man." All right, good. Do thanks, Wayne. It's uh, yeah. But yeah, he had a point there because you know I think you have to. If 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 life's too smooth and smooth sailing and everything goes your way, I think you become soft. I think yeah. It's, it's when you go through a lot of adversity and 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 perceive those adversities as a as a opportunity for growth, mm-hmm. uh, life becomes better. I think you become yeah, a, sure. a human being. So. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah. I mean, he knows his stuff, Wayne. He's been around the game for long enough, and he's lived yeah. lived a while to know a few good lessons. So that's one thing I remember from that. Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's funny. Speaking of the Broncos, you made the move to the Broncos for the 2017 season. What made you move to the Broncos? I guess and leave the Titans after so long with them. Yeah, I guess at the time, um, I guess it was opportunity. Um, at the back end of 2016, I was in negotiation with the Gold Coast Titans and um, nothing ever eventuated from that. So yeah. I decided to make the move up the road. It wasn't too far away from our families, but Tinu and I, uh, her family was on yeah. Gold Coast, was in Brisbane. So mm-hmm. we had an opportunity to go to Sydney, but at that time, it felt like a long move away from family. And that was one of my top values, having my family close. So we didn't want to be too far away from them. And I decided to come to the Broncos. But then in saying that, the team that the Broncos had was pretty good and I wanted to become a part of it. So yeah. uh, in a couple of those um, points were the main reasons for me moving to the Broncos. Yeah. And having been in that Titans environment for so long and kind of getting used to getting used to the people, the coaches, the staff and all that sort of stuff. What was it like switching those environments? Because I know from me personally, I know when I had to change environments with being an athlete, it was quite disruptive because you get used to something for so long and then you've got to change it up and it's like, oh, it's a bit different. And, you know, you like having the kind of set things in place, especially when you're, you know, training really hard day in and day out. So what was that kind of environment switch like for you? Yeah, it was a... My, my switch was pretty good. Um, you obviously get pretty nervous and uncomfortable those first few days because you, you just don't know what the squad's like, what the new environment's going to be like, mm-hmm. the new staff. You don't really know. You're uncertain. But mm-hmm. I felt pretty comfortable within, the I guess, the first week or two of preseason at the Bronx. I didn't. Initially, when I signed, you know, the few weeks of in-between, you're – you're just a bit nervous, I guess, because you know there's yeah. a big change coming and mm-hmm. you get so used to your training environment, your own locker space, that your teammates, you know, you're, you're also sad saying goodbye to a lot of your teammates who you've been with for many, yeah. many So that, that's a big challenge in itself. Um, yeah, so I guess those things and then uh, you're moving homes, you're moving cities. Yeah. Uh, and then your your partner has her cha- their challenges as well because mm-hmm. – they're leaving their friends, even though it's only an hour up the road. It's, it is a change in lifestyle for them as well. So you're jugg- juggling a few things at once, which can be tough. But I guess kind of like anything, if you just jump into it and 
and embrace it um, without trying to, you know, not complain, but um, just not not realizing that it's an opportunity. Um, yeah, for sure. Life becomes uh, it can become a smooth transition, but I think you know when I when I first moved to France, there was a whole heap of new challenges that came with that. Yeah, and being <laughs> outside the world to your family and all, all of those things that I said multiplied by ten. Yeah, and and the French, you know, English English language are obviously very different. So it took me probably six to 12 months to get used to it because I, always, I was always thinking of you know what's life like back home rather than just accepting and embracing that we're going to be there for a few years yeah uh, for sure i guess at brisbane i was like yep yeah, we've made the move let's accept it um and let's make the most of it yeah yeah for sure i want to talk about one game in particular of that 2017 season with the broncos um and that's the semi-final between the broncos and the panthers and the broncos won that semi-final 13-6 and many people especially in commentary say that was one of your best games of your career can you talk us through what you remember of that semi-final against the panthers and what you think made made you play so well in that semi-final yeah, I guess, um, you know, I was, I was coming off the bench and unfortunately, Corey Oates, he, um, he got knocked out, uh, head injury, I think he, he got stretched off on, a, on one of those cart things and yeah, I got yeah. an opportunity to get on the field, but just kind of like anything, you just prepare yourself as best as you can and, you know, um, I, I wouldn't say there was any different mentality to that game to the week before or the week, you know, the, the season before, I guess just, you know, it's just one of those things where maybe the ball goes your way a lot more and you're, you're involved a lot more and um, yeah. they said it's your best game. But, yeah, I remember being out there, having fun and then obviously winning, which um, which gave us an opportunity. Always to good. <laughs> yeah, that always yeah. helped. Uh, but I guess in terms of one of your best games ever, you, you just try and go out there and play the best you can each and every yeah, week. for sure. Uh, the reason for that, you can't. You can never really put it down to one thing. I think if you prepare yourself the best you can every week, then you give yourself a good chance to, uh, you know, get the best out of yourself. Yeah, for sure, definitely. 2017 was like a massive year for you. Obviously, you've just gone to the Broncos for that first initial season, and then um, you also captained your home country, Papua New Guinea, at the 2017 Rugby League World Cup. What was that experience like for you playing in that World Cup, but also captaining it as, you know, for your home country, Papua New Guinea? Yeah, that was a great experience. I remember being so excited for that because, you know, Port Moresby, the place that I was born, hosting three games. My most mm-hmm. of my family living living there and they were able to come watch the games and just a huge um, emotional experience, emotional ride for not just me but my family and, and I'm sure my teammates as well. We yeah, had those sure. three games there, and each each and every day was exciting for you know, mm-hmm. everyone. You go from your room to breakfast to you know, at, at the hotel, and everyone just wanted to talk rugby league and and how it <laughs> And then you go from hotel to training field. Uh, you're on the bus. Everyone's sitting there talking, and when they realise that the Kumuls driving past, they're jumping up and down, cheering. <laughs> you know? so get that kind of love and admiration, which is. Uh, yeah, that, you remember those games, uh, those moments. I guess personally, I remember those moments, and I cherish those moments. Yeah, just as much as the the games that you're playing, because um, you know it's not every day that you get to drive past someone on a bus and they're just jumping up and down waving at you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Especially you know at, at a stadium when you're playing a footy game and people do that, you can understand. But when you're just driving past in a bus and they do that. It's uh, you know, it's it's extra special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was uh, you know, and obviously being uh, being announced captain for that. Um, I was the previous year I was announced captain, which is a huge honor, and I was able yeah. to kind of embrace that and soak that in. So uh, to be able to captain your con- uh, country in the town that you were born in, in the city that you were born in, uh, it was yeah. quite special. 
Yeah, I can't help but think back to the very start of this chat when you said that, you know, you would, like, go to bed dreaming about playing in, like, packed-out stadiums or whatever, and then here you are all these years later captaining your home country in your co- in your home country. Like, I just can't imagine what that would be like for you. <laughs> yeah, it was um, – yeah, especially the convenience of all my family being able to travel from the village 100%. to Fort Moresby as well, only a half-hour trip. Uh, they weren't always able to come to any NRL games in Australia. Yeah. Uh, for them to be to be given that opportunity to come watch the games, mm-hmm. uh, very special. And uh, yeah, it's something that uh, I guess will live with me forever. Yeah, for sure. After that kind of in that 2017 international season, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you did make the move over to France for three years where you played for the Dragons in the Super League. What was that experience like as a whole? But how different was kind of the Super League over in the Northern Hemisphere compared to playing league in the NRL in Australia? I guess a few differences. The game's just as tough. Um, mm. you know, in terms of physicality, very similar. I wouldn't say there's too much difference. It's probably yeah. anything, just a few little technical things that um, are done better here in the NRL more consistently, yeah. um, probably in terms of the wrestle. Um, different uh, game tactics. Mm. Not, not too much different, but those are the little things that I noticed. Um, the game, and obviously the weather's very different. It's a lot colder over there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is a challenge in itself as well. It's, uh, yeah, I remember my first game being snow and yeah, it, it was a warm-up game and I just remember my hands were just shaking. <laughs> so different to Australia. <laughs> very different, yes. Even like you know, colder than Canberra at its coldest. So yeah, crazy. It, uh, yeah, I guess those things are slightly different. Uh, my experience as a whole moving there, I wouldn't change a thing because we're able to experience the French lifestyle those three years and uh, met a lot of great people, learned a bit of French, ate some great food, and you know, created yeah. <laughs> some great and lasting memories. And unfortunately, yeah. probably ate too much. Um, uh, you know, too much uh, nice, delicious French <laughs> food there, but, you know, I'm glad we did. You only live once. <laughs> <laughs> the old uh, snails and the snails on a Sunday afternoon with some you know, mm. bread and garlic. Uh, <laughs> Can't say I've ever wanted to try snails, but if you're saying they're good, then I'll probably have to try one. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the texture of a calamari. Oh, yeah, and okay. A little bit of gooey stuff on it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of the experience. I reckon if I close my eyes and do it, I should be okay. But if I'm seeing it, then there's no way. <laughs> yeah, just don't, yeah, don't look at it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look the other way. <laughs> um, after a three-year stint over in France, you came back over to Brisbane where you re-sung with the Broncos for um, one more season before you retired in July of 2022. And it was quite sudden as well. What kind of made you make that final decision to retire from the NRL? Yeah, well, I remember going into pre-season and then, uh, you know, as a as a professional athlete, when you're, when you turn up to training, you want to do everything you can to help you perform on the field. Uh, my yeah. desire to do all those little things wasn't as strong as previously, and I, I just felt like, yeah. okay, I think my time's coming to an end now. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was training just as hard, pushing myself, but you know, in terms of just pushing that extra little tiny bit, that desire was getting, I guess, less and less. Yeah. And then the season kicked off. I remember doing my knee at women. I might have been around two or three, and yeah. then I was like, I'm ready to be finished now. I remember talking yeah. to my welfare officer, and he said, mate, get your knee right, and get back on the field because you don't want to regret any decisions and yeah. uh, got did, did the rehab uh, process got my knee right played a few games for Wynnum I was starting to feel good and then the PNG game was um, coming up PNG versus Fiji mm. but I might just try and make that one and then see how I feel yeah so in the lead up to that um, I kind of had an idea that that would be my last game mm. and a few days before I spoke to my wife Tenille, and, and said I think this is going to be it I'm going to make a call and she said yep go for it uh, I think she could you know if anyone could see your daily habits and, and how you uh, <laughs> how you 
do things without even saying a word. Um, it's going to be the person closest to you. Yeah. So, yeah, she just said, yeah, I, I knew this moment was coming for a long time, but I'm glad it's you're doing it for PNG and your home country, and I think it's a good way to yeah. go out. So, yeah. yeah, that's kind of how it came about. It was it was sudden, but I think going back to the pre-season, talking about all those little things, um, the willingness and to... And it been like building up, yeah. It had been building up, and, and I think it was just a nice way for me to finish off and, and say thanks to... PNG and, and the rugby league NRL community for um, for all the good times and you know, I'm ready yeah. to make a change. Yeah, and speaking of Tanil, how important was she in you know your NRL career? Because I know you know when I talk to athletes, especially in team environments, they always say how important you know that person is for them at home, their rock and all that sort of stuff. How important and like integral was Tanil in the process of you becoming the player that you were. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine the. I can't even express how important she was because, you know, yeah, she just do all those little things. Um, they, yeah. I sound a little, but they're actually big things. Yeah. Just make sure the, the fridge is full, the the kids are well looked after. You you've got home cooked mm-hmm. the house is in good order. Uh, she's making sure that you're you're happy, you're healthy. Yeah. And that and so much more. So how important is she? Probably the most important person in my life um, yeah. since playing NRL because, and plus, it's someone who also keeps you on track as well. And mm. you, you can think of uh, probably going out and, and partying and, and drinking and doing all those things that will potentially cut your career yeah. short. She always just made sure that I was in line and, and yeah. uh, <laughs> following my dreams, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure I'm sure she wanted you to achieve all your dreams as much as you wanted to, wanted to achieve them. So having, you know, that, like, double belief from her as well probably made your life so much easier as well. Oh, it's very powerful because without her support, care and love, it's, it's uh, you know, playing that tough sport, it's, it's, uh, it gets harder. So I think she was everything in this, um, in my career when we first met in the early days. And, and she continues to show her support post rugby league and you know she works very hard make sure yeah. they're happy make sure that the kids are happy and well looked after so yeah she's everything yeah i love that thinking back to that first game with the titans versus your last game in the nrl with the broncos how would you say over that 14 year span how did you change as a person as an athlete how do you think you know looking back on those 14 years you know, how did you change in the way you played your game, all that sort of stuff? Because 14 years is a long time, and I can imagine you, like, learnt a lot along the way as well. Yeah, definitely learned a lot of uh, about the game uh, with experience. And obviously, you know, I hope that you know, a lot of, I guess, you know, maturity kicks in as well because um, you, you get kids, you're, you you then become a leader of the, of the team, of the group that you're around mm-hmm. because... There's constantly new young guys coming through, and the older players are retiring. So, yeah, that's a tr- that's a transition that I guess naturally occurs in that process. Mm. Um, yeah, those are probably a few things that come to the top of my mind. And your uh, your your skills as a leader, they certainly do develop because yeah. you've got to be able to, um, you know, especially playing for PNG, you've only got a few weeks if it's a World Cup or if it's mm. just a game is a very short week so you've got to have the ability to bring the team together and go out and, and play together so I think there's a few things that uh, that occur in that in that in that 14 year stint and also meeting a lot of great people you know, on and off the field they help mm, you yeah. as, a, as a person and I think that's very important as well and you know there's, there's a lot that have played a, a um, huge part in my life and and I'll forever be grateful to them. People who I either yeah, still, sure. still stay in touch with now or I haven't spoken to in a while. Everyone's played yeah. a part in the process. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So let's talk about life outside of being a professional athlete. You like we said, you retired in July of 2022, which was last year. So we're talking roughly like 14 months. And I was saying to you before we started, it feels like so much longer. And I don't know where the year has gone, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to in like those 14, 15 months? Tell us what you've been doing outside of the NRL life. 
Although you're yes. still sort of in it. <laughs> I, I'm still sort of in it, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm typing instead of running around the field now. Uh, <laughs> so um, I guess when I first retired, I, I had about probably four to six months of uh, no scheduled uh, workplace. Mm -hmm. I was traveling back and forth to PNG, doing a little bit of work over there and also a bit of community program deliveries um, in the corporate space and also in the rugby league and community space. Mm -hmm. um, that was over a few months. And then come January, I was fortunate enough to get a job with the Brisbane Broncos in the business development space. And I've been working with them ever since. Uh, it's a couple of days a week. So I uh, met, met a couple of great teammates in that space and they've helped me to develop a few skills outside of rugby league and be able to, um, you know, I guess learn learn how to, you know, write emails and, and talk to people, um, how to communicate in a way that brings more sponsors into the club. So that's that's what I've been doing since then and, yeah, certainly enjoying the process. Uh, but then also, you know, speaking gigs here and there, which I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, Q&As, whether it's a school or um, university groups, um, a corporate space, different workplaces. Rugby league scenes, uh, where it is a, yeah, a little, little bit of everything, which has been uh, fun and enjoyable. Yeah, sounds like you've been up to a lot. <laughs> it probably sounds like a lot, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'd like to say I'm busy, but yeah, no, I still do get a bit of free time over the weekends to, uh, you know, go yeah. kick the footy around with my two boys, which I really enjoy as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, speaking of those two beautiful boys, I was saying to you earlier, I love when you post stories them on your Instagram because they're so funny. Um, but how do you think being a how do you think being a professional athlete, I guess, has helped you in being a father? Because like it not everyone gets their profession professional athlete um in their life. And yeah, I guess my question is how do you think it's helped you in being a father? Yeah, I guess yeah, in terms of being a father, I don't know if um, you know being a professional athlete or not a professional athlete would have made too much of a difference for me. But I yeah. guess you know you you prioritize someone else in your life. Then um, they become mm. the focus of you know, why you go to work and why you provide. Um, I guess as a professional athlete, you probably get a few insights on helping them to. Um, go to that next level in terms of, I guess, training, uh, nutrition, sleep, well-being, all those kinds of things. Yeah. There are things I've learned in the professional space that I probably wouldn't have learned in um, in another job. So yeah. I guess that's probably where I can help them or I do help them. Um, yeah. you know, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty big on living healthy. So yeah. being a professional athlete, that certainly helped me. And I think, you know, I try and make sure that they eat healthy most of the week. Um, and I guess being a dad, you know, in general, playing, I think playing's pretty good. It's, I think it needs to be emphasised more that, you know, go kick the footy around or go throw a tennis ball, whatever, play some yeah. kids. And, you know, put your phone away when you're when you're playing with your kids. Uh, I still yeah, have for my, sure. You know, a you know, phone call comes through and then it takes priority and then you get distracted. Um, but I think I've, I'm very, I try to be as conscious as I can about, just spending that time with them because, you know, they do grow up very fast and, um, you know, time does go by quickly when you've got kids in your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think for sure. That's probably how professional sports has helped me. But then I guess, you know, in terms of normal, if, if I, you know, having a normal job now, um, you know, it's still the same. I just want to spend time with them. Yeah, for sure. Um Kind of to wrap up things before we get into some of the questions that people have sent in. Looking back on your massive 14-year career in the NRL, can you pinpoint kind of one thing that you're most proud of in your professional athlete career? Um, I know it's I'm, a big question, so sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> you might have, I might have an hour to think about this. Um, I guess if it's on the field... I would say winning the Challenge Cup with the French team in the UK, that was a pretty amazing experience at Wembley. Yeah. Um, oh, at Wembley. Oh, wow. How cool. Yeah, that was a great experience. Um, and I guess, you know, off the field, 
one moment. Oh man, it's it's very hard to. <laughs> There's been so many great ones. <laughs> I guess it's probably yeah, very very hard to. You put me on the spot here, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. I swear, I'm going to say something, and then later on I'll be like, I should have said this instead. <laughs> okay, how about you can send in a little video recording of yourself when, when you think of one good thing? Something comes up. Actually, there's probably one thing. I think it's not one particular moment, but I'd say this is probably the number one thing that sports taught me, and this is why I encourage people to take part in sport, is that yeah. it teaches you how to deal with the ups and downs. And in yeah. life, we go through a lot of ups and downs, mm-hmm. and it's how we, how we deal with those that, that defines um, yeah. you know, how we feel on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's a very important lesson. Gosh, good answer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've had a couple of questions sent in from people um, when I put up an Instagram story. So the first one, I'm not sure if you'll be able to run, run into this one, but we'll give it a go. Um, what was going through your mind when Scott Prince nailed that crossfield kick to you against the Sharks in 2011? Uh, catch the ball. That's all. <laughs> um, if, if you actually if you actually look at the video, I missed the jump by about five meters. So if I missed it in total, he would have been very, very angry and upset. So, oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, I think when I caught the ball, it was kind of just an instinctive thing, and then I think the camera angle and stuff makes it look probably ten times better than what it actually was. <laughs> Well, thank the camera angles then. <laughs> um, next question is what this will probably be a hard one. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, I don't really want to ask him that one. But what NRL club did he did you most enjoy playing for and why? Uh, oh, well, I've only played for two. I, I yeah. I can't I can't pick one. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> a tough one. Gold Coast yeah. Titans, I always have a soft, soft spot in my heart for them because that's where I got mm. my opportunity. Then the Broncos, uh, because a lot of my friends are here now and yeah, I made some great friends and memories. So I won't be able to give an answer on that one. Sorry, Taylor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. No, I knew, I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> um, how did you manage your time between being an athlete and being a father and a husband? Yeah, I guess, you know, when the... The schedule to train is number one priority. So you're here and then you're trying to do some, uh, trying to make the most of that schedule. And I guess it probably goes back to, um, you know, what I said about putting your phone away when you don't need yeah. it. Mm-hmm. When you're with your kids, just make sure you spend time with them. Be conscious that that's probably the only hour or half an hour or, you know, however long you're going to get with them. So yeah, make the most of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I try and uh, you know read books with them before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's a moment for us, and and then spend a bit of time with Tanil as well after the kids go to bed. So I guess probably just like everyone else, I'm trying to you know go to work and then spend time with them. But I think it's very important that it, when you when you're there, you just be in that moment. Yeah, rather, for sure. Rather, you know, I think I've caught myself out doing it being at work sometimes and you're thinking of being at home and then when you're at home you're thinking of being at work so just yeah I think you'll be fine yeah for sure um if you could go back and play one game over again what would it be um, another tough question, another tough question. <laughs> it, it's, it's probably one that oh there's been so many that you've lost and you've replayed in your head over and over again about doing things and if I if I just done that or if I just stepped that way you know <laughs> Yeah, I'm a professional athlete, I think. If, if I did that, this would have happened, this and that. Yeah. If it's one game, probably, yeah, so hard, eh? It's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's those semi-final games where you're like, man, I should have just ran harder and, you know, do, done all yeah. those things. And I can't pick one out in particular. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then last one, what's one piece of, what's one piece of advice, sorry, you'd give to young players who want to make it into the NRL? Another so tough question. One piece question. of advice. <laughs> yeah, another tough question. <laughs> it's, uh, there's always things, but if it's one, I would have to say it's it's always gonna be your attitude to improvement mm. and you know whether you're going to listen or not, I think that defines uh, whether people play first grade or not because 
And some of the best players, they're just open to feedback and continuously improve themselves. So, yeah, have an attitude towards uh, improvement and learning, and I think you give yourself a pretty good chance. Yeah, great advice. I did put you on the spot there, so that was good. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, David, that is all for today. I am so incredibly grateful that you took the time to talk to me today, and I'm sure my listeners are going to love hearing from you. Um, yeah, just thank you so much, and I just really loved this chat. So, yeah, any last words you want to give to the people who listen at home? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Taylor. Uh, this has been great. I've, I've certainly enjoyed this chat. And, uh, you know, to all, all the listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in. I know uh, I spoke to Taylor two years ago now we met and I knew she had a huge heart Um, she's overcome many many challenges so there's going to be you're going to hear a lot of uh, gems a lot of uh, a lot of gold come out of the out of her brain and into yours so make sure you pay attention and you know I've certainly learned a lot from you Taylor about our chat from many uh, two years ago because you know overcoming challenges especially the ones that you have you know makes me feel um, I should be able to overcome anything. So um, you certainly <laughs> gave me that. Um, they gave me that inspiration, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm definitely sure that all your listeners and your viewers are going to get the same thing as well. So thanks very much for having me on the on the show or the podcast, and and I wish you all the best for this um, moving forward as well. Thank you. Thanks so much. And that's it for today, guys. So make sure if you're listening on audio, then you hit the follow button. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. And I will see you guys next week.